ID. We are in Christ. It's going to take us a little while. We'll get started today. Certainly not going to finish today. Who am I? What is my identity? Who are you? I saw this on Facebook. It's a picture of a truck. And this picture of a truck uh, had something written on the back of it. And on the back of it, it said these words. Not subject to DOT regulations, this truck identifies as a Prius. (laughs) I'm not a car connoisseur, but I don't think a Prius looks like that. So what if I have a true identity, but I continually deny my true identity? Will I ever be satisfied? Will I be fulfilled if I'm trying to be something I wasn't intended to be or not being what I was intended to be? What if I place too much value on one aspect of my life, which it was not intended to bear? Identity. Let me give you a definition of the word. The distinguishing character or personality of an individual. Just Merriam-Webster's simple definition online, nothing profound there. But the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. So I have something to help us walk through this today. Anybody know what these are? Oh, you're starting to see what these are now, huh? Yeah. Okay. This is a nesting doll, it's what it's properly called. And I got one that wasn't colored because I have a purpose for it. All right, so who am I? Let's talk about me for a minute. I am a son of Adam. I am human. That means I have a sinful nature. So I made the bottom one, sinful nature, not because it's small and doesn't affect everything, but because at my core, I'm defective and flawed, returned to cinder, which is my creator, who then makes me new. And even when he makes me new, as all things are created new, there's still this thing that the apostle Paul calls flesh that I have to deal with and that I have to wrestle with. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have to put to death. So for you to understand me and anyone else who is a son of Adam, You have to understand that at our core, we are not innately good, but we have a sinful nature. That's a worldview issue. If you want to understand me, you should also understand that I am a man. I'm male. God created me male. I have no desire to be female, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying to you, but I could not be female if I wanted to. I I have actually... been there when a lady gives birth, and I can tell you I have no desire whatsoever to be a female. (laughs) Females are rock stars. They are tough as nails. They are amazing, and so all props, but no desire to be. I'm I'm really glad I'm a guy, all right? I'm just going to leave it that way. I'm also a white guy. Now, I know that might surprise some of you, but That actually gives you some form of understanding about me, but that's not my identity, it's just as a white guy. Now my last name's White too. (laughs) And so that's pretty cool because that means I live at the White House wherever I go. 
But it's also bad in that there will never be anything named after me. I mean, could you imagine the white dorm? I mean, that just doesn't work, all right? So, yeah. Not gonna happen. And, and I'm okay with that. I, I have no problem. I don't, I don't want anything named after me anyway. So that's, that's quite fine. I, so another thing that helps you know me is like my location of birth, where I grew up. So we tucked that inside of where I grew up. I grew up in South Carolina. Anybody? We got a couple. Yeah, yeah. I grew up not in the educated, ritzy parts of South Carolina. I grew up as a country boy. Any other country boys in the room? There are a few of us. And apparently there are a few extroverted country boys in the room as well. Um, so that means I like to fish. There's some pictures of a couple of different fishing trips. Yeah, I don't know why I was wearing camo in one of those pictures. I think I was hunting and fishing at the same time. Anyway, so I'm, I'm a southerner. I also like to hunt. And so I have some slides of me out doing some hunting. That's, it's a black bear, 350 pounds from this past May's hunt in Canada. And then that was the buck I took last year here in Ohio. So knowing that I like to fish and like to hunt and that I'm a country boy might help explain me a little bit. I'm a southerner. You get the accent. You already knew that, right? And sometimes I string words along or give them multiple syllables. <laughs> Not thinking of any word in particular, like stingers or anything of that nature, but it might help explain to you why. We like to be friendly and talk slowly so everyone can understand us clearly in the South and make them feel welcomed. And I grew up in South Carolina. We were like, I don't know, 47th in the nation in education or something like that. I mean, you know, that might help explain a little bit about me. I really like sports. Some of you like sports. Some of you have other hobbies. If you know about my sports and my hobbies, it might help explain me a little bit better to you. Sports and hobbies, you tuck them inside here. So one of my biggest hobbies was karate, martial arts. And so I've got a slide there for you. You can see me with some of my black belts. And then I used to do a flying sidekick competition. We do it for demonstrations. That's me kicking that target that was about nine feet at that point in time. And so I, I used to love to do that. When you come over to the house, you can see trophies. You can see my football plaque. You can see basketball. You can see that I had a mullet. You can, yeah, some of you already have pictures of that. I've watched you take pictures as you visited the house when I played football, track, baseball. Does that, does that make me an athlete? Other hobbies, I played the drums in church, not nearly as well as Andrew or others play the drums up here, but I, they're, they're, we've got some really talented drummers here. That's why you never see me up there. But does that make me a musician? No, it does not, all right? I'll go ahead and admit, I like video games. Anybody like video games? I personally really like Halo. I know the video game is now, it's Fortnite now, I understand that, I get it. Fortnite like has an identity crisis. Do you wanna build or do you wanna fight? I mean, come on, make up your mind. And anyway, I love to scuba dive. If you've never been scuba diving, you're just missing two thirds of God's creation. So come join, it's fun. Get certified first though, so you know how you do it. Labels, 
Labels. What happens with labels? Introvert, extrovert, nerd, geek, detail-oriented, big-picture-oriented, pretty, ugly, skinny, fat, cool, dork. How many of us have let labels define us in our own thinking time after time after time? Outward appearance in the gym, frequently, working out. And I will admit to you, this has been one of my struggles throughout life. I, when, when I was younger, I would actually, I'd, I'd wear the, the short sleeve shirts and roll the sleeves up on the ends just so, you know, it would make your bicep look a little bit bigger because they weren't nearly as big as I perhaps wanted them to be. I, I would choose UFC shirts because it was cool. It was popular. Yeah, sleeves up. Sun's out, guns out, right? <laughs> Hair, never out of place. If it's out of place, put a hat on because nobody could ever see you with your hair out of place. Anybody, anybody? Am I the only one? There's somebody out there. You just, a couple of you, yes. My wife would testify if I lied. It's there and don't touch it. <laughs> it's in its place for a reason. If you touch it, that slide that had karate stuff on it, I'm just saying. <laughs> Clothes, cars, not for me, but for ladies, makeup, styles. How much emphasis do we put on these things? Think about cars for a minute. I had three black Camaros with chrome rims, tinted windows, 12 inch Rockford Fosgate woofers in the back, 350 watt Yamaha amp, tweeters in the front. If you don't know what that means, it doesn't matter. It was loud enough, it vibrated the rearview mirror off of my front windshield. <laughs> you, you could hear my car coming from a mile away. Now you know why I like the bass so loud up here at the front. I can't hear, I've damaged my hearing and it just helps or something, I don't know. My identity was wrapped up in a cool car. If my car was cooler than yours, I was better than you. Any of you ever had those thoughts? What about the things we've done? Labels, am I a sinner or am I a saint? And even though the Bible tells me I'm a saint, why is it that I really feel like a sinner? And do I deny my identity as a saint by living a life like someone I'm not. What about other labels we apply and put so much pressure on that we idolize? Not that they're bad, but we idolize them. What about a career? I consider myself to be a preacher who serves as a university president. I don't know that I'm a good one, but I consider myself to be that. I have a BA, I have a master's degree, I have a PhD, that means I'm a doctor. No, not that kind of doctor, the worthless kind of doctor. But I will confess to you that I was in Sturgis one time and there was a guy that had been drinking and wrecked his motorcycle and he came into the place where we were working and somebody called me Dr. White and he walks up to me and he says, hey man, I hurt my shoulder the other night. Can you take a look at it and tell me what's wrong? And I said, sure, I'd be glad to. And um, <laughs> he, was, he was drunk, he wasn't gonna remember the advice anyway. And I, I told him it was great, take some ibuprofen and he wouldn't remember a thing in the morning. And I'm sure he didn't, That's, but anyway. <laughs> Don't do that, I'm just playing. <laughs> University presidents last five years, I'm in year six. If my identity's wrapped up in that, that could be a problem. Not that I'm planning on going anywhere, but most of them get fired in five years. So, I've got a slide for you. Preacher. That's last year's graduating class, by the way. We love them. We love this year's <laughs> class, too. 
You can get all like selfies. I've got a selfie with last year's graduating class. I've got a selfies with this year's incoming class. I'm also a father. Now, being a father explains a lot. When you are a father, life changes. You all of a sudden care a lot less about yourself and a lot more about your children. And so you can see a picture of our family with one new addition not included in that jacket. Was, this was our Christmas, one of our Christmas photos we did. And so we didn't have jacket at that point in time. So being a father means several things. It means I have changed dirty diapers and didn't think twice about it. It means that you experience some really nasty items and things in life and you just do them because you're dead. It means when one of your kids is sick, you're not worried about whether you get sick or not. You wanna give them a hug and you wanna make them feel better. Even if that means you're gonna get the flu, it's okay because that's your child. It means that you realize you would actually kill somebody for your kids. I'm not kidding. <laughs> More on that later. It means that I have played all of the Lego video games with Samuel. He's saying no. He's saying I missed one. What did I miss? Yeah, I don't know. You can tell me later. We'll figure it out. Maybe he's wanting a new one. Oh, we haven't finished The Incredibles yet. We're on the last stage. Okay. All right. I'm a husband. If I can open that up, I tuck that inside. I see the images up there. All right, here, the images up there. A husband. Now, if you're in the room and you're single, I am not intending to diminish singleness. You work on becoming the right person, not finding the right person. Singleness is a gift that God uses. Paul says it's better to remain even as I am, so don't. Don't take it that I'm belittling singleness in any way, but I am very happy that I'm married. You, you can see joy on this day. You can see joy in the front row, and you can see that I have joy in my heart because that is the great thing about marrying somebody named Joy. <laughs> this means that I have watched countless hours of HGTV. I know who Chip and Joanna Gaines are, and I'm not really sure why. I have watched Gilmore Girls. The Hunger Games. Even that weird show about those werewolves and vampires, Twilight or something like that, I don't know what. Yeah. I have watched the movie A Walk to Remember more times than I care to remember. Yeah. If you're sitting there going, all right, you just lost all respect. Ephesians 5, we're coming to it, just wait. <laughs> all of these things that I have talked about may help explain me, but none of them should define me. What should define me is actually that I am in Christ, clothed in his righteousness. The black made white. Any number of these things can become an idol at any particular moment in time. Think about it. Sports was a big idol for me, and it may be a struggle for some of you. 
You put so much into athletics and so much into sports that your identity is then wrapped up in your sporting event. You feel like the only good thing that ever happens is when somebody cheers for you on the court or on the field. You feel like that's your ultimate identity. And I want you to know that's not your ultimate identity. Sometimes we seek to find our identity in another person. We think, as that movie falsely says, you complete me. And what we find is that we are laying a weight on another person that they were not intended to bear, and you destroy a relationship when another person becomes an idol ahead of God rather than in their proper place as you both seek God. And as you both seek God, you can grow closer together, whereas when you place that person on a pedestal and they become an idol, it pulls you away from God and you're going to end up growing apart. So don't look to find somebody else that will complete you because if you do, all you're gonna do is destroy two lives in the process. Even with children. I know you got a ways to go for most of you, but children can become an idol. You begin living through them. You want them to do the things you never did. You want them to win awards and be something else. And so you put so much pressure on your children, they can never live up to the expectation. And all of a sudden they feel like they just can't do it. And the weight is too heavy to bear. And you never let them go because when they go and leave, that's your identity that's walking out the door. And so you make sure that even in your marriage that your children understand they're not the center of the universe. They are part of the universe, but they are not the center of the universe that Christ is. Anything on this list that I've talked about with me, I have thought about that at times it could have been an idol. Video games. When I get a new video game that I want to beat and conquer, it's very easy for that to become somewhat of an idol. So I don't ever buy video games during the school years, only during the summertime when we're on breaks. It's only usually when the family is going out of town and I'm going to have two weeks to play video games, 48 hours a day or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you, you caught the math there, right? How many of you do that? In its proper place, there's nothing wrong with reading, video games, sports, relationships, they're all good blessings from God. But in the wrong place, they're all idols that pull us away from God. Where's your identity? Where is it today? And then you've got to guard, where's it going to be tomorrow? Where's it going to be next year? Where's it going to be the following year? Where's it going to be the year after that? It's an idol if I find my ultimate identity in anything other than Christ. Another person, sports, children, fitness, appearance, cars, clothes, possessions, career, your major, or a sinful temptation. So today we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. We're not going to finish them all, but I want to read them all. So out of honor for the reading of God's word, would you stand up as I read through this text? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Today we look at one main point. Praise for blessings of identity in Christ. Praise for blessings of identity in Christ. Listen to all of the in Christ, in him, in the beloved, as I read through first, uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ 
according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believe in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praises of his glory. Dear Lord, we don't have time to begin to do justice to what you tell us in this chapter. So Lord, I pray that today we would catch a glimpse that you would allow us to see just a small portion of what it can be if we find our true identity in Christ and give you praise for all of the blessings that that brings with it. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. So for today and for our next message, we have one main point. The one main point is praise for the blessings of identity in Christ. Praise for the blessings of identity in Christ. This is one long sentence in the Greek. It addresses Paul's expressions for praising for the various blessings that we receive in Christ. In fact, next time you turn in a paper and you have a really, really long run-on sentence and your English teacher rightly says to you, this is too long, shorten it up, you can respond and say, I just wanted to be like Paul. It won't help you great at all, but you can respond and say, I just want to be like Paul. And in fact, when you look at the verse divisions in this particular section of scripture, there's an awkward verse division or two because they're trying to break it up so that we can understand it in the English translation, but recognize and remember, when you come to things like why is in love positioned where it is when it should flow with what looks to be the next verse, and we'll get there. Remember, this is one long sentence in the Greek. In the Greek and in the English, Ephesians shows us the grammar of the gospel. In the grammar of the gospel, you get the indicatives of who we are before you get the imperatives of what we are to do. Let's back that up. We have to know who we are before we know what we are to do. By accepting who we are and understanding that our actions flow from who we are, we don't have a legalistic system of works-based salvation. We have an overflow of love for the God who has redeemed us by his grace and for his glory so that we can then serve him in a way that glorifies him. The actions and the imperatives flow out of who we are and who God says we are. So we look at the very beginning, Ephesians 1.3, and we notice the word blessed is there three times. Blessed or praises be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us or given us gifts with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So in verse three, blessing occurs three times in one verse. So we look at the source of our blessings. It's God the Father. We are not blessed because of our own hard work, because of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's God the Father that presents blessings for us. The means of our blessings is through Christ. So in Christ, by being united in Christ, we then have a host of blessings that we're gonna look at just a few of today. 
the type of blessing. It's every spiritual blessing. Now note the words there. It's every blessing. You're blessed. You're not just a little bit blessed. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. That should encourage you this morning, even when you don't feel blessed, even when your vision turns to focus in on the bad things of life or in on your own self so that you're focused on your own selfishness, perhaps, you look back and see that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We also see this does not mean prosperity theology because it doesn't say every material blessing. It says every spiritual blessing. Our blessings come in the spiritual realm. In the heavenly places, that's the location of our blessings. And Paul here in the book of Ephesians uses the heavenly places no less than five times. So dear brothers and sisters, as you look at your coursework for this semester and the weight mounts up on you, perhaps as a faculty member, you look at all of the classes and all of the students and all of the papers or exams you have to grade and the weight mounts up on you perhaps as bad news or sickness or homesickness or any other number of things come upon you, you look at the semester and the waves mount upon you. I wanna say to you this morning, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing by God who gives them all to us in Christ Jesus. In verse four, we see the blessing of election. Three pronouns. Mark well the statement, underline, circle, He chose us in him. Such a loaded phrase. We could spend the entire portion of our time on that one phrase and still not begin to exhaust it. God, the first he, chose. So you are chosen, not rejected. When the teams lined up, you were picked, you were selected. Who were you selected by? The winning team. Not just the winning team, the king who created it all. He chose us before we ever existed, not based on our merit. He chose us and he placed us in his mind in Christ Jesus before the work of Christ was ever done on the cross. So God chose me a rebel against the king before I ever existed and said, I'm gonna take that rebel and I'm gonna place him in Christ and I'm gonna forgive him and I'm gonna redeem him and I'm gonna adopt him and I'm gonna make him a son of God, the king of the universe. This is incredible news for us that us rebels against the king should be adopted, should be chosen, should be loved, should be united in Christ Jesus. He chose us in him. This comes by divine revelation and not human speculation. We're not trying to figure it out. He tells us he chose us in him. When did he choose us in him? Well, the text tells us right here. It's before the foundation of the world. Divine choice and not human merit. So if you're here and you're trying to figure out what can I do to add to what God's already done because I feel like I need to do something, I need to contribute something, you have nothing you can contribute. It's already been paid, it's already been done. Quit trying to pay for something that's already been paid for. You can't do it, you don't need to. You weren't chosen because you are a better looking person than the person who wasn't chosen. You weren't chosen because you were more talented or that you were good and the other person wasn't. You were chosen and put in Christ before the foundation of the earth. This should result in humility, not arrogance. 
If this truth makes you swell up with pride, God chose me. Why did he choose you? It's not based on works, lest any person should boast. So quit boasting in an arrogance over theology that you don't understand if it creates a prideful arrogance because it should create a humility in us that God chose us without reason and sent his son to redeem us by his own blood, a high purchase price on the cross to unite us with him. And the result of this, what should this do for us? The text tells us here, it's that we should be holy and blameless before him. Rebels, we weren't holy and blameless because all of this happened so that we should be holy and blameless, which means we weren't. That's the presupposition. But it's to make us that way. Holy and blameless. Those words you remember hearing over and over and over in the Old Testament sacrifices. Find a lamb, spotless, pure. All of these sacrifices leading towards Jesus Christ, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He chose us in him. In love, at the end of chapter four, or verse four, but really flowing in the sentence there, in the English at least, in verse five. In love, he chose us. In love, he predestined us. So you say, wait a second. Do you mean that then, because God has predestined everything, humans are not responsible? I don't mean that at all. Because in verse 13, it talks about the fact that there is good news and that that good news must be believed. In the same section, it tells us, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, that word of truth, which will remind your memory back to the book of James, where he talks about the word of truth, and then it clarifies what is the word of truth here. It's the gospel of your salvation and believed in him. It's two sides of the same coin. When we look down from a divine perspective, we see God's sovereignty. When we look up from a human perspective, we see human responsibility. And those two things should be held in attention and they should never be separated. It was Charles Spurgeon who was talking about this issue and he said, I have no need to reconcile friends. There's nothing competing against these two things. These two things are friends. So when you think about things like the order of salvation and you think about the regeneration of the Holy Spirit and you think about how we must repent and believe, you don't separate those two things in a false dichotomy. Because if you separate the Holy Spirit's regeneration before our repentance and belief, you end up in a salvation that's already accomplished and you're really just informing people they're already saved. The Bible tells us to call all people to repent and believe. We don't know who's gonna to respond to that call and who's not. So we hold that intention with regeneration and the Holy Spirit regenerates those who respond in repentance and belief. We put them together, divine sovereignty and human responsibility as friends together. This is what we do. Try to explain election any further and you may lose your mind. But try to explain it away and you may lose your soul. It's there. We teach it, we preach it, we believe it. He chose us in him. Our salvation is attributed entirely to the will of God, not to our works. Our salvation requires that we repent and believe in him. This is the proper balance and we offer a genuine call of salvation to all people. In love, he predestined us. So perhaps you're here and you say, I don't feel loved. Perhaps there's a problem with the word feel in that sentence because you are loved. Perhaps you think you're unlovable. Think about it. 
God's motivation for predestination, adoption, redemption, and forgiveness is love. John 3, 16 says, for God loved us in this way. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He sent his son to die on a cross for you. You are loved. Even when you don't feel loved, even when you feel unlovable, you are loved. Lady in the room who feels like you've never been pretty enough and you've never been accepted and you've never been truly loved by anyone in this life, God loves you with a perfect, flawless love. Guy in the room who feels like you just never have met up to dad's expectations. You've just never been good enough. You've always messed up in, in some way and has anybody ever really loved you? You are loved with God's flawless, perfect love. Frederick Lehman penned these words. He said he found them on the wall of a patient's room in an insane asylum after he died. You may recognize them from Mercy Me, who sang them in the song, The Love of God. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies a parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. In love, you were predestined. In love, you were adopted. Adoption, so rich, so sweet. There are blessings of adoption. I have for you six. First, the language of adoption is intentional. It's not accidental. He could have very easily continued the new birth language. Instead, he moved to an adoption language. The new birth we see in John and other places so frequently, Paul adopts the language of adoption here. Second, adoption makes sons out of slaves. We were enslaved to our sin, and yet God loved us and adopted us, making us sons, just as children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt in bondage, and he said, I select you as my firstborn sons. So now we're no longer slaves to sin, but sons of the king. But that sonship implies responsibility. The heavenly father is not going to spoil his children. He will discipline us for our good. Third, adoption grants us the understanding of God as father. Abba, father. As Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, Abba, father, let this cup pass by me. So Galatians 4, 6 and Romans 8, 15 and 16 mention the Aramaic word Abba to remind us that God is our father. Fourth, adoption grants us the spirit confirming our salvation. I suspect you don't remember when you were born, but you know that you're alive. Some of you may not remember when you were born again, but the Spirit should live within you, confirming and testifying to you that you are saved. Fifth, adoption turns orphans into heirs. James 1.27 speaks of the orphan, and in John 14.18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. So we then have been adopted, no longer orphans, but heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And sixth, adoption is forever. I wish I had more time to elaborate on that. Perhaps we'll, we'll come back to it. But here's what I want you to know. You have been adopted forever by God. I'll never forget going to a lawyer's office with a little baby who had a different last name than I did. They separated us off, and some of you have heard this story before, but they separated us off into one room. They separated her off to another room. They separated the birth parents off into another room. We sat there for hours with tons of paperwork. I was pacing back and forth. All of a sudden, they bring this baby in after hours, and they say, she's yours. 
And this baby now has a new name, and her new name is Rachel White. As we walked into the lawyer's office, a different last name. I was not her dad. I had no legal responsibility. But when they put her in my arms, even though I knew nothing about holding a baby, so I did what my football coach told me, right? Cover the tip, tuck it in tight, and don't fumble. Even though... It's good advice, guys. Just remember it, all right? Cover the tip, tuck it in tight, don't fumble. At that moment, when I looked down into my daughter's eyes, I realized at that moment in time, the love that I could have for a daughter that I did not have a relationship with just just a little while ago. And me as a flawed earthly father, I don't do anything compared to God and his perfect love and what he has for you. You saw the karate pictures. If you mess with me, they're easier targets. I lived in Texas. I like to hunt. If you mess with my wife, I've got a really big gun safe. But if you mess with my daughter, that's God calling me to prison ministry. <laughs> From the inside. We're going to do cell groups in a gated community. And every dad feels the same way. God, the Father, loves you so much that he actually did die for you at sundown. And he got back up so that you could be adopted into his family. Identity, the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. So many things in life explain us, but they do not define us. To discover our true identity, we run to the one who made us, the one who knows us. And we listen to what he says about who we are. Chosen, not forsaken. Loved, not despised. Adopted, not orphaned. Redeemed, not enslaved. Forgiven, not guilty. Accepted, not rejected. A child of God, free at last by his grace to our good and for his glory. Dear Lord, may your name be glorified in our lives today. Amen. And you are dismissed.